0: And our chapter for today is the Gospel of John, chapter 14. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, at least the first few verses of the Gospel of John 14, where it talks about Jesus preparing a place for us. But before we get to that place, let's look at the context. Remember, as we have looked at how we read and understand the Bible, that we always look, and if the plain sense makes sense, we let that be the sense lest it all become nonsense. That is, we take a passage of Scripture, whether it is John 14 or Genesis 1, And if it is historical narrative, it's just telling of an event or a series of events. It is giving a running commentary, whatever the case is, or if it's allegory or metaphor, then we always take the plain sense of whatever that is, and we let that be the sense, lest it all become nonsense. But the second guideline that I have given to you over the months and years is this. Always interpret a text, a passage, within context. The word con is the Latin word for with, with the text. That means the verses right before it, the verses right after it. That means the chapter right before it, the chapter right after it. That means the book that it's in, because every book is written and couched within a context. Is it New Testament, Old Testament? Is the writer a prophet? Is uh, the writer a psalmist? Is it a letter to a church, a personal letter, a pastoral letter? All of these things have meaning in understanding the text. So the context is very important. Now, in yesterday's passage in John 13, it was important that we understand the context was the Passover meal, the Seder meal, where the Jews every year gather together and remember the Passover, Well, now the Passover meal has just ended and now Jesus is teaching his disciples. They're talking. The meal is over with, but now the fellowship and the discipleship, which always takes place in the home, is now taking place in what we would call the upper room, where they had this great meal together. Jesus identifies who the betrayer is. And then in verse 31, this is the context of John 14. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, I say to you, a new commandment, a new instruction I give unto you that you love one another in the same way that I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples, you're my followers, if you have love one for another. Now, Jesus was getting to the heart of why he came to change lives, to change hearts, to change relationships. You see, Christianity is about relationships. Relationships matter. Our relationship with the Father, our relationship with the Lord Jesus, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, our relationship to each other, our relationship to those who are not followers of Jesus. And so he said, I want you to understand that the way people know that you're going to belong to me is not the way you talk, but the way you act, your attitude toward one another. You can talk a good game. You say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I do this. I do that. Yeah, I I was baptized. I go to church. That doesn't matter anything if you're a jerk. It doesn't matter one whit if you don't love people and treat people with dignity and respect. If you're constantly condemning, criticizing, negative a naysayer, you're always the person that no one wants to be around, then you haven't understood that Christianity is not, following Jesus is not some decision you made when you were a kid, not some prayer you prayed at age 20. It is the attitude of your heart that is totally committed in repentance and trust in Jesus to do the will of God, to surrender to his will. Then you're a follower of Jesus. And if that's the case, oh, you will sin. Yes, you'll fall short, but your way of life will be one of obedience, not disobedience. It will be one of joy, not of grumpiness. It will be one of gratitude, not of griping. These are the issues where the shoe leather meets the road, where the water hits the wheel. This is what makes life exciting. Now, Simon Peter said unto him, here's the context. Lord, where are you going? Now, no doubt Peter was frustrated because he said, Lord, here you are talking about somebody. You're always going. You're always going to go away. And Jesus answered him just what he had just said to the others. Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Amen, amen, I say unto you, The rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. In other words, before morning, Peter, you're going to go back on what you just said. You know why? Because Peter was full of himself. He thought because he could say that, that he could will it to be so. Let me just tell you something, friend. You can say all you want to, but if it was not for the grace of God, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't follow Jesus if it was not for His grace that's drawing us to Himself. Yes, we make a decision, but the only reason we can make a decision is because God enables us to make that decision. Now, this is very important because Jesus had just said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. This is the way people will know that you're mine, by the way you treat one another. And they said of the New Testament church, which we will see in the book of Acts next month, that the early church, it was said of them, I'm talking about by those outside of the fellowship, look how they love one another. That's not said about many fellowships today. That's not said about many churches today. No, by the way we fight and scratch and claw and bite and devour one another, and split into a thousand different ways, when we don't get our way. Listen to me. The world is watching. This is not the way that we lead people to Jesus. This is not the way that we create an appetite, a thirst for God. Peter said, Lord, I, I won't leave you. The implication is, now, everybody else may, but not I. Jesus said, Peter, before morning, you're going to deny me three times. Now. The Bible, remember, is not a movie script. Yes, it's not complete in details. It doesn't tell us everything that is, but it's not a movie script. It doesn't say interstage right, interstage left. It doesn't say, and the disciples became crestfallen, but they were. You know that this stunned them. Here was Peter, the keeper of the door, the gatekeeper, the one who was always leading out, and the Lord had him right beside of him. And he says, Peter's going to deny me before morning three times. And no doubt they were saying, well, if Peter's going to, where's that going to leave me? And so no doubt Jesus read the room. I mean, after all, he could do that. He saw on their faces the discouragement, the despondency. And for some, including Peter, probably depression and disbelief. And immediately Jesus said, in that context, of discouragement, of depression, let not your heart be troubled. Now, this is an interesting phrase because in the Greek text, if I could translate it for you with a more powerful emphasis, when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, we've said that so many times that we don't even pay attention to what it says. Well, let not your heart be troubled. What does that mean? The word is this, the phrase. Let me translate for you just very literally out of the Greek text in a way that we understand. Jesus said, Don't let your heart get into a settled state, a condition of agitation. In other words, it's okay to be down, but you can't stay down. Don't let your heart get into this state, this condition. Oh, it might be episodic. It might be an event. It might be for a moment. It might be passing. But don't let what I said get you in a state of depression. Don't allow this to overtake you. Don't let this agitation that you're feeling right now become a part of who you are. Why? You trust in God. Trust also in me. Trust God. You see, trust Cast out doubt, trust. Cast out fear. They cannot survive together. And so he said, "Don't let your heart get into a settled state of agitation just because of what I've said to Peter, because I said I'm going away, because Judas has gone to betray. Yes, all of these things they must come about. But don't let your heart get into a condition of agitation. Trust me. You trust God. Trust me." In my Father's house are many mansions, the King James and New King James says, are many dwelling places. The word is for a dwelling place, a room. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said, hey, I'm not playing games with you here. I'm going to be dying soon. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if that were not so, I would have already told you that. But you see, I'm going away so that I can prepare a place, a room for you. And if I go and prepare a place, a room for you, here's the good news. I will come again and get you. I'll come again so that I can receive you, so that I can bring you unto myself, so that I can accept you in and welcome you into our home so that where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know. Why would he say that? Because he had told them over and over again about the Father's house. They had lived it, and I'll come back to that. He said, where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, didn't Jesus just say, where I'm going, you know, and the way, you know? Yes, he just did. So he always tells the truth. So they knew the way, they just weren't thinking. They knew where he was going. They just weren't thinking. And so what Thomas do? Open mouth, insert foot. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Well, Jesus just said, yes, you do. Who's right, Thomas or Jesus? Well, I'll tell you what it'd be in our connection groups, in our Sunday schools, in our Bible study groups. Well, Lord, I just feel like that you're not being level with us. I just, I just feel, I have this feeling and I'm just, I'm just kind of torn up inside and I just feel, I just feel, I feel the Lord didn't talk about feelings here. He said, you know what I've told you, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas said, well, Lord, I just don't know. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, listen to me. I am the way I am the way. The truth and the life. Now that personal pronoun, that phrase I am, because of the construction of the verse, the I am carries over to each one of these characteristics. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me, through me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. It's a definite. It's a definite article. And so Jesus is comforting them by saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you in the Father's house. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about what they knew about in the Galilee. Why is it that after the resurrection, we'll talk about this very shortly in just a few podcasts, why was it that Jesus wanted to take them back to the Galilee immediately after the resurrection? He wanted to take them back where it all began where the relationships were first formed. Why? Because they all lived together there. And the way that these compounds were, there's several in Capernaum where Jesus' headquarters was. There was a great room. This is the Middle Eastern way to do it today. If you come from an Arab family from Iraq or from the house of Saud in Arabia, or you are in a Middle Eastern culture, uh, you know that the father owns the house. And now they build one story on top of each other, but they all used to live in one place. They all had a common area. That was what was the area where Jesus was when they took off the thatched roof or uh, the tile roof that was above. Probably it was thatched. Remember, they let the man down through the roof. That was into the great room. That was into the area, the lanai, if you will, the porch, the veranda. Each one of the families, the, the children would have had with their own family, they would have had a section, a room, and they would all do life together. You see, we try to, in America, and in the West, we try to separate. Well, every child's got to have their own room. Well, that's not always healthy. Well, we don't want three or four kids in one room. Why not? Now, I know the uh, reasons that we give in the West, but you see, this is not the way the rest of the world is. They have to get along with one another. They have to share. They have to do that to survive. But we're teaching our children that we don't have to do that. No, you you can go in and shut the door and, and shut everybody out if you want to. Well, that's not the way that life is. That's not the way real life is. And so Jesus took them back to that comfort zone where they were all in this insula compound, where there was a great meeting room, where they all ate together, they talked together, they did life together, And then they went into their own room for sleeping and for their own quarters and arrangements. Jesus said to them, look, look, men, I'm going away, but I'm going to see the father and we're going to build a great house. And my father's house is so large that I'm going to prepare a room for every one of my followers. Now we get a glimpse of this in the book of Revelation. I don't have a lot of time, but the fact is we know what the father's house looks like. It is a 1,500-mile cube, 1,500 miles to the north, the south, the east, to the west, and 1,500 miles upward. It's a cube. That's enough room for everybody that's ever lived. And this is for believers. Listen, this is a place where we will have all the room we need because Jesus is preparing it just for us. And they're not all the same because we all don't have the same needs. You see, we're not just a number. We're not just a stamp. We're individuals, and Jesus knows just what we need, so he's preparing a place for us. Now, this idea of we're going to be on Hallelujah Square, and we'll be down here Praise Avenue, and that's all good in Southern Gospel music. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it is a place that is centered around Jesus, not what kind of mansion you live in. Because whatever place that Jesus prepares just for you, it'll be just right. This comforted the disciples to know that no matter what happened, even if the pastor denied the Lord, even if Peter messed up, even if every follower turned away, Jesus will be faithful. You see, Jesus is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. I pray this is an encouragement to your heart as you walk on the way. This is Tony Chris.